In this episode, Wayne, Jet, and I wrap up our six-part series. We picked it up from about 2008 to, to the current 2020. We had fun. It was informative for me. I hope you have fun, and thank you for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And again, today we have our friend Wayne Jett to continue our series. I'm as excited as I can be. And uh, I think that you'll enjoy this. I um, hope you enjoyed as much as I have. I've had fun. It's been very enjoyable for me. And, and I always enjoy speaking with you, Wayne. Thank you for coming on and continuing today. Uh, James, I'm very happy to be here. And uh, thank you so much for this uh, series of invitations. Uh, You've been so kind to extend. I can't wait to talk about uh, what we have in mind today. And uh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I think we, 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 we talked right up to and potentially even through the mortgage crisis of 2008. So if you want to pick it up around that, that time and just continue to go forward, we, we are all ears. Well, thank you very much. I'd, I'd like to just give a, a brief uh, uh run through the history of what we've gone through, uh, and then uh, uh, here we are today. Uh, but the big things that we've talked about already, 1880, the big book, Progress and Poverty, uh, came from Henry George, uh, that uh, not only told why uh, society was having such a hard time and, and seemed to be doing all the wrong things uh, in many respects, but uh, he, he basically let the uh, rabbit uh, out of the bag, saying that there is a powerful pecuniary force that writes laws and molds thoughts in every nation and leads humanity down all the wrong paths in terms of public policy to make sure that the ordinary people do not prosper and to make sure that they retain power in their own grasp. Uh, that pecuniary power uh, had not been spoken until that time, and that book, Progress and Poverty, sold two million copies within 20 years. Uh, still the most influential, the greatest selling book on economic policy, public policy uh, ever written. Uh, 1901, not even uh, 20 years, well, uh, 21 years uh, after the publication of Progress in Poverty came Anticipations, the little book by H.G. Wells that uh, publicly, but uh, in many respects privately, because it was hidden within a small book uh, of no importance, supposedly, but it was the inside story of what that pecuniary power had as a plan that it had determined, particularly because of Henry George's book, that it had to wipe out the middle class entirely and to do it in a, uh, a well-disciplined plan that would be developed and uh, carried out over uh, the next century, that is the 20th century. Uh, and that by those means, uh, they would go back to the two-class system of uh, only the slaves on the servants uh, and the ruling class themselves. That was their objective. Uh, they were to learn how to exterminate 
I learned how to poison, to wipe out the blacks, the yellows, the, the red skinned, the dirty skinned whites, the ones who work for a living. Uh, anybody that could support themselves and be free of uh, the complete control of the ruling class uh, was not to be uh, permitted to exist. Uh, that, uh, that was the plan. And that was the plan that the American people lived in from our own experience over that 20th century. World War I, the influenza that wiped out so many millions uh, in addition to the war loss of many millions and World War I. Then World War II, well, of course, the Great Depression, um, the crashes that uh, have come, the, the central banks, the Federal Reserve owned by uh, uh, the Rockefellers, but uh, primarily the Rothschilds and the other big families of the globalist cabal. Uh, those have been our experiences but uh, compare those to uh, as of uh, uh, the early 1900s of the Russian people. Uh, the Russian people, I believe, uh, although the evidence is not completely available to us, um, my interpretation is that uh, Russia's czar got the same offer or demand from the Rothschilds that America did. Wilson gave in to the Rothschild demand and uh, signed the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, actually a private bank owned by the Rothschilds primarily and their related families, signed into law in 1913. I think uh, the evidence is that uh, the Russian czar said no, would not permit uh, his people to be exploited by the Rothschilds. And as a result, uh, their experience was very different. Uh, in 1917, uh, on the, really the uh, almost near victory in World War I, the Russians had fought very hard, had uh, fought a lot, uh, lost many, many lives in the fight against the Germans. And yet uh, they continued to suffer sabotage, exactly the kind of thing that the globalist cabal was able to do uh, because it had so many shadow government people within the Russian government, uh, as it does in uh, many other governments, including our own. Remember the great lesson to learn from that the global, global cabal and the message from Henry George is that all of the insiders, all the operatives for the global cabal work for the same people, regardless of the government. So like in China now and in Russia now, anyone working for the cabal over there works for the cabal. It doesn't work for Russia. Uh, but in any event, uh, Russia was finally able to throw off the global cabal and uh, at least to the extent possible, at least get them out of control of their government in the late 1970s, 1980, uh, thereabouts. Uh, and uh, as best we can tell, uh, a, a sizable number of the people driven out of uh, uh, Russia or the Soviet Union actually came to the United States, just as the, many of the Nazis came to the United States and were uh, given cover within our government, supposedly uh, changed people, 
but in large part uh, really serving the same masters. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have been brought here by the global uh, cabal. So there we are. Uh, now let's look at, uh, as we, uh, we come to the present, uh, we've had the global cabal revealed to us, but not through our media. Uh, you have to look in the right places to find about uh, its influence and its control over America its influence and control over both our political parties. Uh, as of 1880 or thereabouts, uh, it's well reported that uh, the global cabal decided it had to control not just one of our political parties, but both political parties. And they have certainly uh, had great success in doing that uh, at practically all times. Uh, whenever they do not control the president, uh, they have uh, disposed of him. Uh, ordinarily by assassination in one form or another. Certainly true with uh, President Kennedy, although he was elected as one of their men, uh, his father uh, being a, an important uh, ally of FDR, who was the most trusted operative of the global cabal in their history, uh, so much trusted and so imaginative and so good at deceiving the people that he was entrusted uh, and given authority to use his own judgment as to how uh, his programs would be implemented to accomplish the objectives of undermining the government, weakening the government, and the objective of the government actually falling into control by the shadow government entirely and uh, granting full power uh, to the operatives of the global uh, elite. And I, I think that Joe Kennedy, too, once he had a stroke, you know, he couldn't really keep control of John F. Kennedy. And so John F. Kennedy and then Robert Kennedy were not water boys for the elite like their father, Joe Kennedy, was. I mean, there's, there's a lot written about that, but I think that that was a learning uh, – that was new information to me, you know, in the last several years that – you know, once Joe Kennedy had a stroke, he couldn't really control Bobby and John F. Kennedy like he could previously. So, Yes, and uh, the knowledge of what uh, actually happened to uh, President Kennedy and to the uh, near presidential nominee, Robert F. Kennedy, uh, was a very sobering lesson to other politicians in the United States as to those aspiring to the presidency uh, were certainly uh, well aware that they needed to pay attention and give heed to uh, the power of the globalists, uh, the power of the cabal, uh, um, each of them being told of, uh, President Reagan was told that if he didn't accept uh, George H.W. Bush as his vice president, uh, he could not expect any success as president. That's just about his... Uh, nice a way to say it as you can possibly imagine but we know what the, uh, he, they meant uh, with that advice don't we right shortly after you know he was the first that was the first presidential election that I was old enough to vote in and I don't want to be political but I voted for Ronald Reagan but prior to uh, while he was running I remember distinctly he said during his campaigning he would not elect George Bush as a vice president 
presidential running mate. And by golly, right after the convention, and, and here it comes, you know, he wanted to introduce his vice president, you know, George H. Herbert Walker Bush. And I was, uh-huh. it raised my eyebrow back in the day. And I, uh, back in the day, I, was, I didn't, you know, wasn't aware of how deep this was or at that time. But then he, Ronald Reagan gets elected and it was shortly after that uh, he was not really functioning as a president due to the assassination attempt. You know, George Bush with his big CIA background and and then his father, Prescott Bush, has been a water boy for the elite since the early turn of the century, of the 20th century. So, Yes, uh, and uh, George H.W. Bush's uh, service as a CIA operative uh, at, on the ground in Dallas uh, when uh, President Kennedy was uh, shot. Uh, in any event, uh, we, we go through these things uh, and see the hand, uh, the very violent and uh, uh, powerful hand of a global elite all the way back through the 20th century. And uh, we come to the circumstance, uh, keeping in mind that they had said clearly in the 1901 book by H.G. Wells that by the year 2000, uh, they planned to be able to have developed the uh, capability of poisoning all of the people, all the people of the abyss, they call them, uh, that they didn't want to exist. Uh, And that uh, uh, by the year 2000, uh, they were a little behind schedule on that. Uh, however, uh, we've seen how rough it has been since the year 2000, uh, 2001, and uh, the uh, 9-11 uh, events that took our country into so many wars uh, uh, following that. And uh, these are uh, preliminaries to looking at where we are now and uh, the tremendous, tremendously important turn of events that occurred in 2016, uh, when uh, out of the blue, we had a largely self-financed candidate step forward, uh, one not only with uh, the personal funds to advance his campaign for presidency, but uh, by all indications, I'm convinced uh, and was convinced at the time that he had not only a fine intellect, but uh, far more comprehensive planning behind him uh, and uh, supporting him uh, in terms of the strategic needs of the country, not only economically, but militarily and financially. Uh, That is, uh, how was the government to be supported when it had been brought to its knees uh, during the years since, uh, particularly since 2000, but uh, even over the period of time uh, since uh, the entire period of time since uh, President Reagan went out of office, uh, each of the presidencies had uh, gone farther uh, down the road of bankrupting the country Uh, depleting the gold supply of the country, leasing it out uh, to operatives, uh, politicians, 
and uh, in effect putting the country into having no resources. It uh, takes a tremendous talent to dig out of that hole. And what we've been experiencing since 2016 is not only uh, the public events that have uh, been a complete opposition trying to at every moment get the president out of office. Uh, obviously, President Trump I'm speaking about. Uh, to get him out of office, to disempower him, to remove him uh, from any influence and so forth. We don't really know how many uh, efforts have been made in what respects. We've seen a lot of it in public. Uh, what we've seen is uh, repeated attempts to accuse and impeach, uh, all coming up fruitless. As a matter of fact, it's amazing to me that they haven't been more successful in uh, proving false uh, falsehoods against him uh, just simply by having uh, 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 evidence that that uh, really is untrue. But nevertheless, they, they have been prevented from doing so. It, it may very well be the work of uh, divine providence, uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, we are in a position of uh, being able to uh, move forward at this point. Uh, it was possible. It was impossible in my estimation uh, at a close look uh, previous presidents uh, when uh, when George W. Bush uh, brought in Henry Paulson from. Uh, Goldman Sachs in 2006, and they proceeded to uh, do uh, the financial destruction of the country and the wealth of the country in 2008. Uh, it was just uh, amazingly clear uh, that we were not going to have uh, help from either party, at least the hierarchies of either party. Uh, we, we then get in a Manchurian candidate uh, in 2009, and uh, in my estimation, from an economic viewpoint, when a president comes in threatening to raise taxes immediately, uh, he is not looking to expand the economy. Uh, even when he didn't uh, raise uh, or reverse the Bush tax cuts, the first two years, the way he said he was going to do, he immediately said that I'm going to do it two years from now, which is just as effective in making sure there's no more capital investment. Uh, he did the same thing two years later, again, did not raise taxes, but he waited until two years later and, and announced in advance that he would be raising taxes again to make sure there was no more capital investment. So that is the kind of uh, leadership from an economic viewpoint that uh, even becomes transparent uh, to most observers, or at least it should, that uh, there is not a desire for economic growth. And in those circumstances, uh, we really needed a, a drastic turn if we were going to succeed at all in 2016. Uh, I think what the other side had in mind was that we were going to have uh, the closing of the 1901 plan as for 2016's uh, election of Her Majesty. And in that uh, respect, 
uh, we uh, uh, give thanks to the Lord above. I certainly do for the um, uh, the sa- the saving of our civilization uh, from that fate by the election of a president that actually uh, has in mind the restoration of the Constitution and I think has gone a long way toward achieving that, although it's still very much in play at the present time. We can see with all of the uh, tremendous uh, turmoil of uh, what we have been experiencing this year uh, has largely been attacks both in the street, uh, in the nature of uh, an insurgency, uh, very much like uh, the insurgency of the Bolsheviks in 1917, put in and financed from outside the country. Uh, that is what has been done here. Uh, the people, the insurgents put in have been brought in in many respects from outside the country in different ways than the Bolsheviks. They speak a different language, but in very much the same way. Uh, they've been uh, using direct violence and well-armed violence in many respects uh, that uh, uh, are tended to provoke a civil war if they can get the foothold to do that. Uh, So far, uh, I think that that has been repelled. Uh, I think it may very well have to be repelled more effectively in the future. There will likely be uh, an even greater uh, effort toward milit- militarized insurgency than uh, we've seen so far. But uh, there's been enough of it in our cities to do a great deal of damage. Now, that, uh, that is, uh, I guess, the summary of, of where uh, these, these experiences uh, have brought us. Uh, I think that we have a plan to uh, depose the central bank, which means, of course, not just uh, getting rid of the Fed, it means deposing the owners of the global cabal, the power centers of the global cabal, and we are, uh, we're having reports Uh, that in fact that is being or in some respects has been done. That is the United States has been successful in uh, in striking directly at the hearts of the central power centers of the global cabal, uh, both at the Vatican at the city of London and uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, and, in, uh, and in New York City, Wall Street, and so forth. Well, uh, let me... That, well, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, you know, I I really hope that that's true. Um, but, I'm, you know, I don't see it. You know, I don't... I think I'm a faithful man. But if we look back in history, the uh, central bank, the first charter of the central bank ran out... Um, and there was a big debate and, and arguments, you know, to to give the second central bank a charter. But I think the I believe the first the charter of the first central bank of the U.S. ran out in 1811, and which caused the War of 1812, in my opinion. 
Um, but then you go forward, Andrew Jackson comes in, and, and it was chartered, the second bank of uh, the United States. And I remember, I think it was Nicholas Biddle, who was the president of that, and Andrew, and there was a big battle between them. Um, 1837, I believe the charter ran out in 1836, and then Nicholas Biddle caused uh, severe market corrections in 1837. And all of this is very documented. I don't mean to cover that here comprehensively at all. There's been plenty of works that are legitimate that cover the history of banking in the United States, right? All the way up to the Civil War and the greenbacks being printed out of the basement. Um, and then all the way up to 1913, you know, that we've talked about several times in this series, and most people are aware, becoming aware of what really happened in 1913. And the Federal Reserve is not federal, it's not a reserve, and it's and it's it's a cartel. That's It's a cabal, that's what it is. Um, and if we're talking about ending that now, I mean, which I hope is is true, I hope it's possible, but the cabal wouldn't take that line down. They never have and they never will, right? So I, I just, um, it could- Well, I, I think that uh, they are not taking it lying down. I, I would just go back and say that, yes, you're exactly correct. The second uh, central bank came in under Madison Mm-hmm. And it came in right after the War of 1812, another war that supposedly we, we won. Mm-hmm. And yet the central bank comes back into power. Uh, and it was uh, uh, finally ended uh, by Andrew Jackson during his second term uh, after he won a resounding victory for re-election on the basis that he would not permit the charter to, to go forward. And he stuck with that. Uh, defending himself with his own six shooters, as uh, I think we've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, uh, a very uh, courageous and also uh, far-sighted uh, an understanding. There were many uh, people who understood uh, much better than maybe today uh, the nature of central banking and the nature of uh, monetary policy that needed to be able to put value actually in the pocket of the working people. That is gold coins in their pockets uh, and in their possession, rather than relying upon a central bank to keep it all in the central place and just take the paper promises that they put out uh, instead of uh, the real gold. So uh, getting uh, around to bringing that into effect now, uh, I'm seeing evidence that uh, I'm, uh, obviously it needs to be put more out in the public arena, but uh, I believe that uh, the actions are being taken as necessary, much uh, with uh, secrecy, and uh, with uh, strikes that are uh, very well concealed. And uh, this, this occupation of our society and our world has been so pervasive by this uh, global power that uh, they are in places that we have no idea they are. Uh, they are much, much uh, larger and uh, I, I don't see the need to go into particular, uh, particular details because I'm 
frankly, not, I don't regard myself as that knowledgeable. I'm not on the inside of these things. Right. But uh, I can only imagine uh, with some reports uh, of the nature of the things, uh, we've, we've seen it coming to the surface in some respects, even our society uh, with this, uh, the revelations about the extent of human trafficking mm-hmm. uh, of uh, different levels that are uh, outrageous to perceive and with uh, with our politicians and powerful people going right up to the top participating in those things uh, so uh, they cannot be shoved aside as if they uh, just uh, are uh, uh, products of imagination this is the, exactly why understanding all of these things that can be proved from history are so important in developing the understanding uh, and the, uh, the ability to, to assess the evidence that we pick up today and put, the, put it in the historical context. Uh, our press is completely, um, the, the, the major media are completely controlled by yes. this enemy mechanism. Uh, that is uh, simply the uh, pure and simple fact and uh, we, we have to deal with it. And somehow we're finding ways to communicate, even though uh, this apparatus has given control of even the new media uh, to uh, these same powers, and we have to uh, deal with them. Uh, I, I think we are in a year of historic importance uh, it is most important that we uh, retain the great advantage that we gained in 2016 by having a president of the United States on the right side of this issue. Uh, we cannot cede the power of the U.S. presidency back to the enemy and expect to uh, survive, uh, uh, certainly not as long as the past century. Uh, and uh, perhaps not as long as the next presidency. So uh, it's that's a that's time. legitimate, man. That's a that's a legitimate statement, Wayne Jet. I mean, yeah. that's that's powerful. So, and I agree. Um, I think people might want to back up and listen to this this one in particular, but several of these, this whole series, you should maybe listen to it more than once. This gentleman is. Um, bringing forth a lot of good information. And part of the whole reason why I even wanted to do this series with you is to look at history. I mean, you have an incredible historical uh, work in your book, The Fruits of Graph, Great Depressions, Then and Now. And if you can't see what's gone on in the past, uh, well, I think if you do see what has gone on in the past, it makes it kind of easier for us to make the connections of what's going on currently and what has happened, you know, in our history. So I'm just saying you're, uh, man, you're, this is, this is some real truth here and it would be maybe beneficial for some of us to listen to this more than one time. This is heavy. You know, it's kind of dark if you want to think about it in those terms. And, um, but you know what, if you, are not paying attention to what's going on. Don't be surprised when, you know, bad things happen is my point. 
Well, in terms of uh, judging what is happening now, you can tell for certain that the ruling elite, the globalist cabal, understands how important true history is and knowledge of true history is to making judgments about their present actions and their present motivations because they have been very comprehensive in uh, covering the truth of our history. Uh, to modify it so completely, uh, I'm amazed that even the great economists that I admired over the earlier periods of my life somehow were, uh, they were kept from telling the truth. We have not been told the truth about the Great Depression by any economists that I have found. Of the ones that I admired previously, the great names that uh, uh, I thought could really be looked to because many of the things they said seemed to be based on moral principle, but on economic fact and truth, they were not. Uh, not a one of them has told the actions that I'm sure must have been apparent to them. Uh, the actions that I found, surely those economists were able to know about them at the time. Maybe not. Maybe they didn't have uh, the uh, diaries of uh, Henry Morgenthau. I can see how that would not uh, have been the case. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, being alive at the time, and if they're connected with the powers of, and what's being done by the powers, it seems they would somehow have known. Uh, and uh, even the, the more historical works, uh, I'm, I've been amazed at... Uh, the lack of candor, the avoidance of uh, important facts uh, that uh, should have been known to them uh, when, and the analysis uh, even based on the facts that apparently were known to them. Uh, it is that kind of level of importance of knowing what's been done in the past that gives you the strength of mind uh, to uh, stand up and say, despite what all your neighbors say, here is what happened. And this is why so many people starved to death in the United States of America in the 1930s. Uh, it was not that we had a savior in FDR, quite the contrary. Uh, he was uh, an imposter and a traitor to the people who put him in office. Um, he used money out of the economy, taken by uh, borrowing through bonds and through much higher taxes to buy uh, more than double the amount of gold in those first eight years of his presidency than the country had accumulated in all its previous history. I've gone through those numbers before and you just can't do that. No sane person would do that and not recognize that it's going to starve people to death in great numbers. In fact, he, I believe that was his objective and how he, knew, he proved himself. The, no question. He knew exactly uh, what he was doing, and he was hired and put in place to carry that out, and he did a, he did a, a masterful job of doing it and hoodwinking the American public while he was doing it. No question about that. You know, I've read a lot of uh, – an author by the name of Eustace Mellons, and in one of his books, he covers, you know, a lot of history. But he mentions, and I had never 
considered it or been aware of it until I had read what he and I don't remember what book he wrote it in but the OS after World War II the OSS which was a precursor to the CIA it was created uh, you know and that was even a precursor for out, right out of England London um, but the OSS after World War II had operatives all over Europe collecting data documents historical documentation of of um, you know memorandums and reports, military reports, political reports, governmental reports from all over Europe, and gathering them up so they could rewrite history, and you couldn't find the truth uh, or document the truth. Um, so this this idea of uh, uh, economists being influenced, you know, uh, authors being influenced in presenting this construct of FDR it's it's a false narrative and I agree with you this is the only book your book The Fruits of Graph is the only book that I've ever read and I'm a reader not that I've read them all but this is the only book that has this much truth documented in it and tells the truth which is completely opposite of the presented narrative that we've all grown up with in the US so good Very job well said. I, I appreciate that and I uh, I'm very grateful to have played a role in it. Uh, I simply don't uh, can't explain why I happen to be the person doing this. Uh, it's against all odds. Um, I was just uh, looking at uh, this morning at uh, one of the later chapters in my book, and uh, frankly, it's almost as if I'm reading it for the first time. Um, I, I'm amazed at... Uh, at the content of it, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, I hope uh, it can be more of an influence and an assistance to those who are uh, doing so much and sacrificing so much right at the present time. Uh, I, I hope it can be beneficial not only to them, but also to the people uh, whose support is needed uh, to understand uh, what is going on now and to uh, give their uh, knowledge to others and to spread it around so that uh, we are a more enabled nation. Uh, we need to be. Uh, we, we cannot afford to have been stripped of our, uh, our moral values and, uh, and our political judgments uh, the way history has been twisted in so many important respects uh, to deprive us. Uh, so I thank you for your invitation and your interest, James. I very much appreciate it. And uh, I'll be glad to and look forward to working with you anytime in the future as far as uh, getting to uh, your audience or to enlarge your audience or to get to a larger audience in some way. Uh, so thank you for having me. You're welcome. To, uh, Thank you for saying that. And you're welcome back at any time. I'd like for you to come back and maybe do an update or whatever you feel like is important to share. Um, you're more than welcome to come back. It's an open invitation, sir, to, to be a guest on on this podcast so thank you very much i mean you've you've uh, we've scheduled i think there's going to be about six episodes in this series so by the time it gets produced and and, and released you know the there's going to be six hours roughly available but that really 
is probably 12 to 18 or 20 hours of recording preparation just for this series not to mention you know all the work that you've done previously to even be able to speak uh on the topics as you're able to speak so i'm just saying this this is almost a labor of love yes you you are an author you want your book to be sold i want the book to be purchased i think the viewer should listen or read this book this this series does not take the place of reading this book this book is uh, worth reading more than once and so I would encourage everybody to purchase the book purchase a couple give them away to people that you believe would benefit or should uh, know what the content is so don't be shy he's running out of books now he's let's, I would like for him to have to go uh, make a whole nother purchase of books he's got he doesn't have very many books left. My point is, order the book, read it for yourself, buy one for your friends or people that you believe should be exposed to this information. It's the truth. And uh, make this man print some new books, all right? So that's my encouragement. <laughs> Thank you, James. I, I, I'm uh, very humbled. Uh, uh, I, uh, I would say that I, in the days that I was writing this book, uh, somehow, I certainly, uh, looking back at it, I, uh, I was uh, much more able to uh, express all of the uh, ins and outs of our history uh, much more articulately than I can do uh, orally uh, from memory at this point. But I would say as well that uh, the miraculous events from 2016 to now, uh, I am so elated I can't tell you uh, because uh, the eight years before that and even the, uh, the eight years before that uh, were not encouraging. Uh, it was a, a very, very uh, disappointing, uh, certainly the last four years for George W. Bush, uh, bringing down uh, the uh, economic czar from Goldman Sachs uh, that came in and executed um, many major companies uh, with the most rapacious uh, activities in the securities markets, uh, taking over tremendous assets uh, at no cost practically by, uh, and with the full power of the government behind it and the Federal Reserve being led around like a, a puppy on a chain, uh, to taking over major banks and major mortgage companies and so forth. Uh, to come to where we are today, even though we are in dire circumstances and under a constant attack from this, uh, this, these people uh, who have been uh, assaulting our streets and assaulting our small business people, uh, attacking our cities, our police, uh, we're going to come through this, I think. Uh, we have uh, the best opportunity in the last thousand years to overcome these people. This wow. is our chance, and our U.S. military is going to be extremely important in this. Uh, they have been already. I'm convinced of it, and uh, they are, I think, greatly assisting the president in his efforts to bring our country back to a position of actually being a free nation and giving the chance of other nations to become free as well. So uh, there are people around the world that are uh, cheering for us here and doing everything they can to help us. And so uh, I'm very glad to be a, a, a part of it. 
Thank you again for having me. You're welcome. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.